this person said something and I was like, you're young, aren't you? Just wait a couple years. And then in that moment, I felt like that shitty old person. You know, I'd like to follow up with them and see how they're feeling. You either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become that shitty old person. I'm Mike Moschetto. This is Selling Out. I'm the casino that pays nothing when you win. Please put your money in. Hello. How do you do? You're listening to Selling Out. I'm Mike Moschetto. Thanks for joining me, especially if you're listening on Spotify, where I'm pleased to announce this podcast is now available. I mean, you're not listening on Spotify, most likely, because this is the first time I've made it public knowledge, but perhaps you're a shrewd internet user and you've found it anyway, because you don't need every link laid out for you like a baby, or I guess more accurately, like an octogenarian. Uh, Speaking of having links laid out for you, now that the show is on Spotify, I've got a running playlist of nearly all the tunes that have been featured on the show so far, probably only with the exception of those that are on Bandcamp or whatever, not on Spotify, and probably a few from episodes that haven't come out yet, so I don't forget to do it. You can figure out who's coming up in future episodes. That link is in the description for this episode. Anyway, I'm particularly excited about my guest today because it was one of his posts on social media last year that gave me a bit more motivation to go through with doing this show because a similar sort of conversation was being encouraged. And we'll get to that later in this conversation. But my guest is Eric Anacarico. He plays in the post-rock band Au Revoir from New Jersey, but also from many places other than New Jersey. And we'll talk about that later as well. He also plays in a screamo band called What Of Us, who sadly we didn't talk enough about, but I recommend them highly. So when I caught up with Eric, he was home for a brief spell between his band's second and third European tours in less than a year's time. So we talked about that, about maintaining gig life balance, about van politics, credit, debt, bankruptcy, and so much more. This was a lot of fun. I love the guy. Here's my conversation with Eric. You hit the ground running, like touring, pretty early. The point of the band was me to build a band that would tour because it's something I always wanted to do. Just it was me living out, you know, my dreams. Sure. So right as like I got people that wanted to play and travel, I was like, let's fucking do it, and have been, you know, trying to do it as much as possible since, I guess. So did you have like any kind of foundational? touring experience before that or you just kind of dove into it uh just dove into it wow in the myspace days i was playing in <laughs> like a <laughs> uh like a indie rock band and i was like i'm gonna book a tour it's something i always wanted to do it was really hard to get them on board but i started getting into it uh or looking into it at least and i was like how do i book shows on weekdays mm. i don't get it <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because i went from being in like a when I was in college, I was in kind of like more of a pop punky band that toured a yeah. little bit. And yeah. then I was in an indie band after college that I was like, oh, let's do a DIY tour. And it was like 
oh, these bands don't do this. Like, there's no, <laughs> there's no network, there's no infrastructure that's like, oh, right. You, yeah. you get on a blog, and that's like you can yeah. hope for maybe a festival or something. I mean, um, there are open open mics on Tuesdays and Wednesdays at everyone's local. Oh, bar. that's pretty much what we yeah. subsisted on. <laughs> um, yeah. So let let me actually jump back to when we met. Your lineup and your home base were almost completely different than they are now and i wouldn't normally dwell on kind of the mundane lineup change things like this but the details seem to kind of be really important to how you all function because when we met it was you on guitar and tyler on drums but then it was Corey on bass and dane on guitar and you were all based in jersey except for tyler who would commute back and forth from here in boston yeah which he would do a lot yeah and tyler god bless him you know and (laughs) now it's you and tyler still but he's back in jersey you have Carl, right. <laughs> Carl on bass. He's in Richmond. Greg also yeah. in Richmond on guitar. And just then, wait, just moved back to Richmond. Yeah, so right. He, Greg like, just within moved. A, a day or two is back in Richmond from uh, Champaign. Illinois. He's been all over. And then yeah. Tyler, Tyler Mandich, who seems yeah. to have lived all over as well. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like this kind of geographical spread for a band isn't like totally unheard of, right? Like I know Defeater, for example, has existed in that state for a while, but. Just help me understand how exactly you handle all the normal day-to-day band stuff when you're all remote from each other. Bless the group chat, you know. That's right. Uh, <laughs> it really I, it keeps us connected in that way. But a, a lot of the business and stuff will will be. I'll take care of it. Yeah, it has. But, to, it has to fall on one person, and that person, I presume, is you. Yeah, yeah. But like when you when you want to go on tour. Well, actually, yeah. let's go. Let's break it down even further, right? Like, okay, when you want to write, you have to all be in the same room, or how do you, do you kind of bounce like recorded demos around? What's the process? Uh, the remote thing has never quite worked for us. Oh, okay. Uh, where in the past, like I have sent demos or something, uh, and it really just didn't matter until we were in a room together. Got it. So, which you know, with the distance, has made things very slow and hard for output. Do you think that the fact that you can't get together super often contributes to maybe the length of the tours? So, like, if I'm going to travel all the way to New Jersey to get together and practice or Richmond or whatever, that I'm going to make it worth my while and we're going to go out for five weeks as opposed to, like, oh, I don't want to up- uproot my light for, like, ten <laughs> days. I think we we have a group that generally doesn't give a shit. <laughs> So, yeah, yep. you know, like when we, we played Dunk USA, Greg and Tyler drove from Champaign, which it was like 16 hours to Burlington, Vermont. Oh my God. Uh, just for that one show. Like, yeah, it was a good opportunity, oh, yeah. but still like it was, you know, it was, fu- it was one fucking show. That's insane. Um, I thought you tore yeah. up and down from it. No. (laughs) No, I do that. A lot of it comes down to time. So as, you know, we're all getting older or whatever, you know, we, things like money become more of an importance for stability and, you know, we can't live in our parents' basements forever, I guess. I don't know. Oh, definitely. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever you're, you know, it's it's on you for your quality of life. It's... You know, yeah, that's a good choice. way of looking at it. Now, <laughs> when you guys have to meet up from your, you know, different corners of the country, is everyone totally on their own as far as getting themselves where they need to go, or do you all kind of subsidize each other's travel or band money allocated toward it or anything like that? Uh, because we're not a band that really makes money. Uh, generally, it is on 
uh, whichever person to get to that spot. A couple of the tours, well, I guess like most of the tours we have started from New Jersey. Mm-hmm. There have been times where I, I think from, from the dunk show in Burlington, I was able to give Tyler and Greg like a hundred dollars of right. something like, you know, to, hey, here's something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 16 hours. Yeah, you might as well. Yeah, here's a tank of gas. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. So, and and yeah. now, speaking of dunk, I mean, let's talk a little bit about touring overseas. What makes Europe such an appealing venture? It's a new market uh, of just new experiences, and culturally, it's awesome. That this is a big uh, difference. Is you booked your own European tour. Yes. Hats off to you. Like, <laughs> but you still got all the hospitality. Yeah, yeah. So we st- still got all the hospitality. Nothing nothing was, was different there. Um, I was just this past tour that we were on, um, heard from some like, you know, some old heads that are still kind of doing stuff over there. And they were like, you know, those the old days of bands coming over here and like having super successful tours are over. So what I feel like what I'm experiencing and maybe what you guys experienced over there was like, it can be an expensive trip. For sure. But it is definitely still worth it. But you can't go into it thinking like, yo, it's Europe, fucking everybody loves American bands and music and shit like that because it's still a DIY tour and you're still going to get basically the same experience. That is literally what I heard. It's like... Oh, people just eat shit up. You can go over there with a demo and you'll be good. And, you know, yeah. we, we did have like a really good experience. I think, you know, it's the normal thing when we tour the U.S. If we spent like 30 days on the road and we had 25 shows, like five would be really, really great. Yeah. And then the rest would be like middling to bad. And then <laughs> when we go over there, it's like 20 are amazing. And then five are yeah. okay. And yeah, and just the level of care. Did you guys do the U.K. at all when you were there or just mainland Europe? Just mainland, because we heard UK wasn't uh, that great. It's kind of like being home in the sense that like everyone speaks English and you're on your and own. And no one gives a shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a, it's a cool country, but it's I, I don't yeah. know that I would want to tour there again. Um, sure. But speaking of going there again, like, you know, maybe our circumstances were a lot less certain, but the idea of going back in such short order is like cuckoo bananas to me. Like, did you <laughs> did you have a long-term plan of following up on that first run? You know, the way that you would kind of domestically try to cultivate an audience in different markets yeah. or whatever? Or was it just a yeah. matter of getting the right offer and going for it? When, when we were in talks with Dunk about playing Dunk USA, one of the owners of Dunk Records kind of backhandedly was, he said like, well, if this year doesn't work out, then there's always Europe next year. So <laughs> you're like, so, hmm, okay, see you there. <laughs> it was it was more like that plant. Anything, anytime something like that, it, like it plants a seed in my head, and it just like grows and grows and sprouts, and it, it's like a like a virus or something. Because I'm just like, oh, we're gonna fucking do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're gonna do it because we already started booking for our European tour before we were even in the running for Dunk USA. Right. And we already bought plane tickets. So it was like this first European trip was a go ahead no matter what. And then we played Dunk USA and they were into it and then shortly after they were like, 
it might be cool to have you guys over, but we'll, we'll talk about it. Mm. While we were on tour in Europe, we're doing a session at their headquarters, wow. a live session. Uh, so I was like, yo, guys, uh, there is a very real possibility we could go back very soon. Uh, and they were like, it kind of sucks like financially, but let's see how it goes. Let's see how this trip goes, and let's see how the meeting with like the live session goes, whatever. And then we kind of ended our trip on a high. Yeah. Where the last four shows were in France and they were all like pretty phenomenal. Even though at one of them we ended up get, having the van getting broken into. Oh, that's uh, right. Fuck. I yeah. About that. But none of the gear was stolen. We weren't like responsible for anything that like wasn't ours getting stolen. Yeah, that's it, huge. it was all our own personal shit. So even though that happened, we still ended the trip and we were like feeling pretty good. And then we did the, the session and the guys were awesome and it went really well. And by the end of that, they were like, well, you could leave your merch here for with us if you guys are coming back. <laughs> <laughs> That's how. That's how they got yeah. you. Oh. And, then, and then we were like, all right, so here's the merch. <laughs> and and like slowly we were just like trying to figure out how we could do another European run so soon. Yeah. I will say that our our solution was to do American shows before that to hopefully uh help with any costs we run into with like rentals over there. Let me piggyback off that because Yeah. Aside from obviously lost working hours, right, that we could have been home making yeah. money and, Correct. you know, personal cost and food and whatever. We basically, aside from the plane tickets, broke even. Like the rental, okay. the van rental was paid for, the gear rental was paid for, the merch was all paid for. And it probably would have, we probably would have been covered on the plane tickets, honestly, if we hadn't run out of vinyl, like less than a third of the way into the tour with no okay. ability to restock. So right. did you guys take a really huge loss? Just I mean you don't uh, have to go into the numbers obviously, but I can't I can because it I don't care. It doesn't matter. Um fuck yeah. Juicy. <laughs> we at the the last day of the trip going to uh drop off the van that had the uh, we dropped off the van and the gear. Yep. Um we had to out of pocket pay I think eighteen hundred euro. Okay. So we all we all had to run to uh, an ATM and take out equal parts, like eighteen hundred divided by five. Sure. Um, to pay for the balance on it. Yeah, the balance. Yeah, yeah, okay. correct. So our total losses were the plane tickets and that amount of money. And when you booked this stuff like how was the process of kind of negotiating okay. a guarantee yeah yeah so the difference would be when they're not dealing with a booking agent is they're more likely to be in typical DIY fashion uh we can do a door deal okay um, yeah so it's less like i know that you're saying you need 200 euro to cover your rentals but i can maybe guarantee 100 but mostly i can just guarantee a door deal and that's yeah. that's how that goes, <laughs> right? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's... But uh, you know, obviously, uh, sleeping accommodation and uh, meals are never an issue. Yeah, at and least we... like one meal a day is covered, if not two. Yeah, yeah. yeah and we kind of looked at it like that amount of money that we paid at the end of the tour was probably what we would have spent in food anyway. Yeah, or like 
if you were just on a regular old vacation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like it was like three sixty euro each, I think, and then which came out to probably a little over four hundred, maybe five hundred dollars, yeah, five hundred American. Like yeah. So it's like, you know, you paid for we got the flights pretty cheap, uh, and then that. So, you know, to play music for three weeks for probably a little over a thousand dollars. Oh my god, yeah, wasn't so bad. condescending but i'm like very impressed that you fucking you booked a euro tour like a totally <laughs> foreign continent literally foreign yeah by yourself and like for a band that operates in such a i guess decentralized way you guys have been grinding it out for so long on such an impressive level by really anyone's standards and <laughs> well i appreciate that yeah well and and you and you deserve all of it too i honestly uh appreciate those comments so much it is really nice to know that like not only we know what we're doing you know yeah uh and every so often i'll like get a text from a friend saying like keep up whatever you're doing like it, it like a couple people have been like yeah it's an inspiration and like <laughs> and it means a lot it really does mean a lot like it it is it is awesome to know that like the the work that all five of us are putting in is like going somewhere. You yeah, know? literally. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. taking you all over, and that's and that's yeah. super cool. And like, yeah, I know what you mean. Like, I, I've we've gotten the same thing, and I always felt like we were doing as as much as we could, but it didn't uh, just enough to make it look like we were really busy and really active all the time, and kind of space it out in a way that worked for us, but also projected a sense of like. Uh, we're on the grind. We're really like self-starters, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. But how, how, you know, I'm sure we have a similar story, but how has all of this taken a toll on your, you know, quote unquote, normal life? Like, so give me a bird's eye okay. view of your work situation, your living yeah, situation, yeah. et cetera. When, when I started touring in 2012, I was living with an ex-girlfriend. Uh, and then the touring really didn't sit well with her. It mm. just like... It it wasn't something that we started the relationship on. Yeah, like, I wasn't touring while before we started dating, so it's for something like that to happen was like a bit uh, confusing. And I was, you know, I was young at the time, and I I didn't really understand, or uh, I was more selfish. And I was like, well, I'm just going to do it anyway. You know, that led us to split. Yeah, and then I moved home. Uh, so I've always held a job with a catering company, okay. uh, and my, my boss and I are really, really close at this point. I've been at the company for 10 years. Wow. So like catering, you can kind of make your own schedule almost, right? Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. It will. It's also event catering, like a uh, concert catering. Oh, okay. So in some sort of way, my boss would understand what was happening yeah not not necessarily on the level of playing like basements and like diy venues but understood like the 
traveling musician yeah. life, lifestyle. So when uh, in 2013, we did a summary full U.S. tour, and that was the last full U.S. that I would ever want to do in the summer. Oh God! Yeah, you know, one because it's the summer. Two because every band is on tour during the summer. Oh yeah, and three because that was the time where I would make the most money with my job. Yep, for like literally for like the rest of the year to be able to go on tour. So I was like, yeah, why am I so fucking poor? <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then solution was to not go on tour during the summer and work. Um, so that's kind of like how that panned out. Uh, so in like 2014, well, late 2013, uh, I was like, okay, I'm going to try and rethink the way that we do things as a band, whatever. So I put more emphasis on like trying to tour during, you know, the, the semesters because none of us were in school anymore and work more. Uh, and then it ended up helping a lot. Yeah. I would say, you know? Uh, and what ended up happening is I would put so much financial shit off and health stuff off Oh yeah, just to like, you know, and everyone knows this, everyone in the band understands because they, they are probably doing the same thing. Right. We recorded in 2015. I was still living at home with my mom. Mm -hmm. 2016 came, we put out the, we put out Vellus, we did the full U.S., uh, and then a couple other tours, and then I moved in with my girlfriend Carly uh, to Jersey City. And at that point, I picked up a second job. Okay. And then 2017, uh, working the second job, and it just kind of like naturally happened where we were all like kind of burnt out at the same time. Mm-hmm. and needed like a bit of a break. So we didn't play any shows aside from the European tour in 2017. Right. And not taking that time off to tour, I was able to save up uh, a bit of money and uh, some personal stuff. I filed for bankruptcy because when I was younger, I spent a lot of money on credit cards. And oh, wow. so just like, you know, whatever debt, I was like, uh, like, I finally had the opportunity to take care of it. And then I had like, because I haven't had insurance, like health insurance, uh, I was going to the dentist a ton because I like finally all of the, even though I like, I spend like, I don't know, probably 20 minutes a day brushing my teeth and I still have uh, issues. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> it's like, uh, anyone you, you can ask anyone that has seen me brush my teeth. They're probably like, you, you definitely do that for too long. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The, the bankruptcy thing is crazy to me. So it's just, it's just kind of from like credit card debt. Well, okay. On, on a very personal level, what happened was I was young and my father took out a ton of uh, credit cards in my name to help me build. Okay. So <laughs> when, when he was younger and my parents were younger, they put all their money into this restaurant down the Jersey shore and it went, uh, South very quickly. So they went bankrupt. And then my, I was born at the time. So my dad put a bunch of credit cards in my name so that he could have some money, but also build my credit. And then by the time I was a little older, I had credit cards 
And then I was like, oh, I want clothes and stuff. And I oh, shit. Spent, I spent like too much money on those credit cards. And then uh, my father passed away in 2011, 2011. Oh. And so I was like, fuck, what do I do with all this, this like debt? Because I wasn't sure what might have been his and what was mine at that point. So it was just like all mixed up. Wow, that's and great. That's a tangled web. Yeah, yeah. So, and it took six years, but finally I was like, the only solution really is to file for bankruptcy because I'm never going to pay this off and it's best to just like start back at zero. Did you ever have like trouble related to doing band shit because of your credit? Like like I know that I, when we bought our <laughs> when we bought our our second van, um, yeah. the first one we bought for, with just cash that we had all saved up for two grand and we'll see how well that went. And then we yeah. bought like a nice one. And, you know, because I had yeah. the best credit rating, I put it on my, you know, put it on my yeah. line of credit. Um, yeah. Did you have any kind of like stumbling blocks with all that or? Well, the stumbling blocks are that we needed to save up money, but well, so <laughs> real, real cold, hard cash. <laughs> uh, what it was, was in 2012, before we met and I the was dark looking ages. for the dark ages. Uh, I was looking for a new car and it was right around the time that I was like, oh, I want to start touring. So I ended up looking for a conversion van. Yep. Um, so, uh, the, the one that I found was on like a fucking, uh, long Island gear exchange page on Facebook. This kid posted it up the crazy, uh, like six degrees of separation story. Um, I ended up buying this kid's van. His name is Jeff Ramirez. Uh, Jeff was in, uh, is in a band called Sleep Balanzano. Uh, he also played bass in the saddest landscape. Okay. For a little bit of time. Who hasn't? Yeah, right. That's <laughs> hard to now. I'm in a band with Eric Morrow, who was in the saddest landscape, and I'm pretty sure he might have toured in that van. I love stuff like that. So that van I bought uh, for $1,500 and immediately had to put like $3,000 worth of work into it, but that went on to one of the credit cards that would eventually get uh, uh, filed for bankruptcy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So since then, though, I have not had a credit card. So... The the current van that we tour in is Greg's van, right. and Greg Greg has pretty good credit, and he financed that van. So at uh, the point we were about to do the full U.S. Uh, for Vellus, I was like, if we're gonna do a full U.S., like we probably can't do it in my van. Right. So we can we should get like a band van, and everyone should chip in. Uh, and everyone was cool, but Greg was like, actually, I'm going to buy a van for Shiloh, so I can't afford to like, chip in on a van for us. Uh, and that van became Greg's daily driver. And uh, on tours, we kind of treated it with him as if we were renting it. Yeah, okay. Which is not something that we did with my van. But it was like, you know, as a collective group moving forward, we were like working these things out together. Um, so we're like, you know, when we use the van for a tour, we'll cover the insurance and we'll cover the pay, the like whatever the payment is that you have for the month. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 And, yeah. So 
And your van, your conversion van was your daily driver for a bit, wasn't it? It was, yeah. It was my daily driver until uh, February of 2017, where I got the piece of shit that I'm driving now, <laughs> which is <laughs> from one piece to- of shit to another. <laughs> but yeah, it was my daily driver, and now I have uh, like a SUV, I guess. I, I think having one van before the one we ended up with taught us how to like really take because it, it, it just failed in such a catastrophic spectacular way Did you guys that, broke like, down with it we had three or four days left of a tour but we were leaking transmission fluid okay and we brought it to a transmission specialist and he was just like yeah this thing is not safe to drive and mm-hmm. so we drove it <laughs> we drove it home and like every time we stopped for gas like transmission fluid would just come pouring out of it so we ended up having to <laughs> refill the thing like twice I okay. uh, went through like several quarts of it on like the 14 hours from Fort Wayne back to Boston. Um, and <laughs> oh, then we, I, th- I, do, I do think I remember that. I think we probably had to cancel a show with you guys or something like that. And like, I think we were supposed yeah. to go like Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Montclair home. And uh-huh. then, um, yeah. Or yeah, something like that. And then the, the van we got after that, we like were very, I, I babied it like partially because it was registered, insured in my name, parked at my house and all that. But we just like treated it so much better, and I'm so glad I never ended up using it as my daily driver, just because it was like a fifth. It wasn't like a conversion van where I could, you know, maybe justify it because you see people <laughs> yeah. doing that. But like, yeah, yeah, a big ass passenger thing. <laughs> Holy shit! That guy owns an airport transport company. I, yeah, I thought about like driving for like Uber XL, but like XXXL, Triple yeah, XL. Yeah. You mentioned you're you're 30. I'm coming right up on it. I went digging back for a Facebook post that you made uh, in which you said, does DIY touring have a lifespan? Uh, I feel like I've gotten pretty jaded and I'm wondering if that's just age or the general vibe of friends in touring bands right now. I have internalized, where's the payoff? Is this the natural way of what can be considered a DIY career to just be in multiple bands and play locally into your 40s? Now, are you any closer to... Any answers to that almost a year after you posted it? I, I guess, yeah. That, and that, that post was a lot of just like trying to get things, talk things out publicly, uh, even though I, I feel like I may have already known some of the answers. And I think at, at some point when your band, when something that you love uh, and and you you love to do you've put so much time and effort into doesn't go the way of like uh, like Radiohead you know like sure like having a successful career because I I think a lot of us are 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 fairly realistic in in where we would end up but you know being yeah. able to to not have a job at home aside from writing and playing music. Yeah, uh, I think is the general goal. Yeah, I think so. For for most people, I think I, I think it's also a circumstance of w- what age we are and when we grew up. Like you know, kind of when we were in our formative years, it was still 
kind of possible to play music and sell enough records and make a living off of it. Right. And that has gone away. Yeah. But for for me, it comes down to like forgetting everything we've learned, like the societal pressures that are put on us, like what we're taught, like what happiness is and just being like, yeah, this is what I want out of life. And if I can do all of these things, then I don't need more than that. Is this a conversation that has taken place within your own band about like how willing you are to kind of put yourself on the ropes for it for so long? Like I've seen Mandich kind of post to the same effect, like if I ever stop yeah. doing this, I'm going to be committed to a fucking mental ward, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, Mandich is extremely vocal about this is the only thing he wants to do. I think the other guys are, gen I think we're all generally in the same boat of like, this is what we, we want to do as long as we can do it and continue to do it that we're not going to die <laughs> in, a, in, in a way that won't kill us. Yeah, yeah. We, it's, not, it's never been something that we've like, how do we all feel about this certain thing? And, and like, let's put a, a time frame on it. You know, if, it, if something hasn't happened at this point, then whatever, uh, then we might as well just quit. It's, I think at this point, we're all just like, you know, whatever happens, happens. And if opportunities present themselves like, like dunk fest, you know, if something like that presents itself, then let's do it. Oh yeah. And there hasn't been, granted, I am, Mandich is the second oldest in the band. Uh, I think he's 28. And the other guys are like 25 and 26, maybe about to be 27. I'm, I forget. <laughs> well, either way, uh, either so, way, it doesn't sound like much, but there is a lot of daylight between. Absolutely. I'm a, I'm a completely different person than I was at 26. Yeah. So a, a lot of things that I find important now are, are probably different than what I found important then. And we haven't had a conversation and, and it, I've never gotten a vibe where like I need to have the conversation. Uh, of like, what are we doing or where are we going and this and that, because uh, as much as I want to do it suffices for the rest of the guys, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Are, are there people who are younger than you that kind of have this view of like, oh, it's changed just in the few years that I've been doing it. Like, it's not the same as it was when I was 26 versus when I was 22. Like, or is, I, has, has that been reflected in a way? I mean, I, I, the people that I've spoken to about it have all been kind of like, in the vicinity of my age, yeah, uh, that's exactly what I was going to say. And like the, the people who I, are <laughs> the people who display any amount of optimism, I'm like, you're a little younger than me, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think that is literally exactly it. Where most of the people I would talk to about it, they're they're my age. They're more serious about what they're doing. Their time means more to them. Where the the things that they're doing, if they're touring, it it has to make sense for for them at the moment and this is also just the people that i know you know yeah i'm sure there are 35 year olds out there recklessly uh or just like that give less of a shit and are like this is what i'm doing and i'm doing it and i'm gonna keep doing this and go as much as i possibly can sure um and and aren't jaded at all you know yeah and <laughs> I do remember specifically at a show probably a year or two ago, um, this person said something and I was like, 
you're young, aren't you? How old are you? <laughs> and then they told me they were like 22. And I was like, just wait a couple of years. <laughs> and I, and then in that moment, I felt like that shitty old person. Yeah. <laughs> well, you were. But, you were that but shitty like, old person. You know, I'd like to follow up with them and see how they're feeling. Yeah. No, I mean, the, the tour that Aviator did last summer with yeah. like all fill-ins, the drummer that we had was 22, and it was his first tour. The other band, uh, One of Us, we yeah. just did a tour of mostly Germany. We like we dipped into Poland and Austria. The band we were with, uh, there was a member that was 27, uh, a member was 21, another person was 19. Oh my God! Uh, but like the the one dude in the band who's 27, uh, he was like always the the first one to to go to sleep every night, and I was like, dude. We fucking love you because like, <laughs> like we're so ready for bed right now. And he, and he was so unapologetically like, okay, I'm going to sleep. Yeah, yeah, no partying yeah, to be. Yeah. One thing that you mentioned was that you got burnt out on the thought of booking another U.S. tour, at least compared yes. to like booking Europe. Like w if there was one thing that you could kind of wave a magic wand and have it be more favorable to touring here, what would it be? Would it be like the hospitality that there's a meal provided? Would it be like something other than a door deal? Would it be just like interest and attendance? And like, uh, how would you? The magic wand wouldn't cover the hospitality. Like I can, I can like, I'll sleep on the floor, sleep in the van, uh, have to get a hotel, whatever. But I, I think more so Bootstraps. It, I'm pulling myself up by them. <laughs> I don't have boots, but I'm pulling myself up by them. <laughs> My Doc Martin uh, bootstraps. <laughs> I think it, it does come down to like just a, a, a general interest in bands and music and shows and having more successful shows on a 40-day string of shows where you're playing like a total of five, wow, this was amazing, and like 20, okay, why are we doing this? And then, yeah. and then like 10, I kind of want to be home right now. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. 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 Like, so, so, so one example that I've brought up, I don't know if I've brought it up on the podcast before, but I remember I got an invite to a show that wasn't like a re it was, it was a, a, a live stream of a show. It was like people playing in somebody's basement and there were mics oh on gosh. it, but it was like a Facebook live stream and like no one was actually in the room. <laughs> And I was like, yeah. if this is the future, then I'm out. Like, that's it. You know what I mean? I've seen multiple bands do that. and It's I, crazy I, to me. Like, I die in a, a lot inside. But I bet time. somebody who's like 18 and listening to this is saying like, I was at something uh, at, I was at something at. like that last night. But <laughs> I was it's like parts of. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. Like, I, I, I want to, I want heads through the door and I want to play to a big packed room like that's yeah i think a lot about like um bold and daring and uh innovative classical music like the rites of spring for example right yeah and shit that would like cause riots on its premiere and yeah. and now like we can stand in a room and listen to someone literally screaming their heads off like bashing drums like just as loud as like beyond the threshold of comfort right and like we're just kind of standing there like thumbing through twitter you know Right, yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't know how to describe it. I, I, I sound like a, a million years old saying that, too. That's the worst <laughs> but, part of it. But I think, so one of the hardest parts about booking a European tour by yourself is... Um, is how many the, yellow shirts you have to order? Yeah, exactly. Do you have this in neon <laughs> green? <laughs> Sorry, um, no. say, it's Or what about safety yellow? 
um, one thing that you'll find is amazing in Europe is you'll look around and you're the only fucking piece of shit staring at your phone. Uh, (laughs) uh, but here, yeah, there's totally that, like, maybe it's that we're spoiled, uh, stubborn, whatever. I think there's a a number of factors that, like, culturally, we just give less of a shit. And not that I'm not guilty of it. Oh, we all are. Uh, Yeah, but, and I also don't want to sound like, a whiny baby about oh, want more people at our shows. Because uh, well, who doesn't? You know, it is. Yeah, who doesn't? But it is. It is again subjective to what is popular at the moment and yeah. what type of music you're playing, and if your band actually sucks or if it is yeah, a, is decent, whatever you know. So like, you can whine and cry all day. Well, whatever. there's that's. I mean, uh, that's another thing too, though, is that like there's. Compared to even when you and I maybe started touring, like 2011, mm-hmm. 2012, there are a lot more bands trying to do it, kind of going through the meat grinder. And sure, uh, I feel like a broken record saying this, but I, I don't like framing it as competition, but yeah, there are limited ears and eyes, you know? And yeah. if people have just gone to a show every night of the week and then they've seen their friend's band and you're this kind of non-entity, then like... What can you expect but kind of uh, indifference? And I don't know how to compete with that either, when, especially when like doing what you do as best as you can right. isn't always enough. Yeah, I, I don't know. Now that's being a whiny baby. Right, okay. <laughs> um, but And continuing with being a whiny baby, I, I maybe you have this same experience but I remember when I was growing up between the ages of 13 and like 18 or 19 in my town, there was a VFW hall that would hold shows. Yep. And uh, throughout middle school and high school, it didn't matter like who was playing, whoever from school would just go. Okay, I'll see you on Saturday at the show. Yeah. And that's just kind of how it was. And I'll talk to a lot of people, and that same experience is not what people are having now. It's another rosy glasses thing because I'm sure they weren't all like they weren't all uh, bangers, but that's kind of yeah. how I remember it too. Like, oh, there's a show at the Knights of Columbus Hall. It's like everyone's there. The ceiling tiles are all getting ripped down. We'll do it again yeah. next week. <laughs> Basically, things used to be sick, and now they're fucking awful. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I kind of blame it on like a, an oversaturation. Yeah, absolutely. Know? Absolutely. Uh, like the democratization just, of all of this stuff, like the ability to tour and the resources and the attention and the ways to get music out, it's a yeah. blessing and a curse. And it's it's proven exactly. that many times over by now. Yeah. But I don't know how I would, you know, you can't really put the genie back in the bottle, so to speak. But like, I don't know how I would change that without, you know, fundamentally undermining that because I don't. You know, I want people to be able to express themselves and and try and do it because I think it's a, a really amazing learning experience that I would credit a lot of who I am to. Honestly, the the touring thing has shaped who I am today. Oh yeah, uh, where like you know you connect with people, you learn shit, and and I, I... or maybe it's a matter of like uh, expectations changing over time too. Sure. So, like, maybe when you go out on tour now, like, you go out expecting five people and you're like, 
Oh, six. Awesome. <laughs> oh, oh, there's 20 people here. This is fucking great. <laughs> As always, if you like what you heard today, I urge you to support Eric and his projects to the extent you can. Links and info are in the description of the show. You can find a transcript of this and every episode on my blog at sellingout.tumblr.com. If you want to support the show and get exclusive bonus content, you can find out how to do that at patreon.com slash sellingoutpodcast. You can follow the show on Twitter at sellingoutad. Leave a nice rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcaster allows for that kind of feedback. It helps other people find the show. Or you can pop a sticker for selling out on the bumper of your van, although then people will probably deduce that you have gear in there and it isn't anything fancy but it's all you got that's just a joke i don't have stickers that would be crazy unless you don't think it's crazy write in and let me know at sellingoutpodcast at gmail.com our theme song is no cab fare by such gold photography by nick di natale i'm mike moschetto this is selling out (laughs) 